welcome back to another episode of Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. Just a quick disclaimer, if you are not 18 years of age and are not old enough to watch the show, Harley Quinn, the animated series, then you are not old enough to watch or listen to this one. So go ahead and siphon off. And there are many, many other choices that are available for those under the age of 18. There's the Spinner Rack, DCN News Podcast, a selection that are much better suited to you than this one. That disclaimer being said, my name is Kendra Hale. I'll be your host for this episode 18 of Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. And today we're doing Harley Quinn episode 5, which is Batman's Backman. And I am joined today by my fellow colleagues, Brad Filicky. I don't want pigs in a blanket. I want to fight crime. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> and also Kelly Gaines. Hello, hello. I darn, I didn't have anything fun prepared. <laughs> right, I didn't have pigs in a blanket either. That was good, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like I said today, we're kind of celebrating the episode uh, five, which is Batman's Batman, and. To start it off, um, we, we get a lovely intro that, that almost breaks the fourth wall, and I'm, I'm not really sure if it does, but it, it definitely puts itself in the reality of the situation. We get a bunch of toxic fans, two of them to be specific, uh, who introduce us to this week's episode and debate whether or not they're going to watch Batman's Batman. So my question to you guys, since this is the, the intro... <laughs> to our episode what was the thing that struck you most in this first sequence where you meet the two toxic fans uh brad we'll start with you uh i th- uh, first of all i think this is one of the best takedowns of toxic fandom ever if not the best that uh i've ever seen uh, it was hilarious i think the thing that i liked the best was the t-shirts that they were wearing uh released a snyder cut and uh, last jedi is not canon uh i, I guess especially now that we are going to get the snyder cut after all i just thought that was just uh a great touch <laughs> kelly yeah i <laughs> the, the t-shirts are probably my favorite part too although I, I just loved the prepared rant the one on the left had. Like, he, he seems to have, and clearly it came directly from a review he wrote, but see, he seems to have rehearsed exactly what he wanted to say if someone ever asked him to watch Harley Quinn, which is impressive. Like, you have to dislike something quite a bit to have a prepared response if somebody wants to show you the show. But yeah, that's I that scene is just hilarious. And I, I almost... I, initially, I almost want to say it's a low blow, but it's not a low blow because I've definitely heard this exact kind of conversation before. It's uh, just beautifully done. I agree. I mean, this one, this lead up was was genius. I mean, they really tackled pretty much any anything, not only that was going on in the moment that was major, um, but also any kind of criticism that you were seeing about Harley Quinn, the animated series at the time was beautifully given by our, our lovely toxic fans from the way that the Joker has been treated to how Batman's never there, how it's basically a gal pal show that that's virtue signaling. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. What a way to address criticism 
in a way that only the Harley Quinn show has been able to. <laughs> but after we, we meet our, our two lovely intros and they start the episode of Batman's Back, we, we join Bruce Wayne, who's just woken up from a coma and has, you know, discovered the carnage that is Gotham currently. What did you guys think of his reaction, Brad? Uh, well, I started out the podcast with a quote from this kind of, this uh, little scene. So, yeah, this scene was uh, funny. And I also found it funny that he's got like a beard and long hair. And then I mean, later in the episode, it comes out that he was only in a coma for a few weeks. And that is some fast growing hair. That's all I got to say about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, this uh, the, the and the the kind of the banter between Alfred and Bruce is also is also pretty funny. Uh, Kelly. Yeah, I this scene is hilarious and I really like stern Alfred. Um, cause I think to an extent we tend to see Alfred as the, uh, you know, the, the father figure, but mostly supreme helper of, of Bruce Wayne, Batman, but to see him actually acting like a parent who's like, no, you are grounded. You're staying here. And I also love the fact that Alfred had, I, I assume he had to have had a window sized backdrop of Gotham made specifically for this exact <laughs> contingency. <laughs> Just in case Bruce wakes up from his coma and tries to go flying out into the night, I have it covered. I, I, I want to think that somewhere out there, Alfred has a bunch of these just ready to go. So if it's winter, fine, winter Gotham. Like he just knows what what's going to happen. I would absolutely love it. What'd you think, Kendra? I thought that Alfred was mean. I was really surprised by how like how cross he came off. I was like, damn. All right, this is a new side to Alfred because this was like unfiltered years of rage. Alfred, like, okay, you know, all this time I've sat back and I've done everything you've asked me, and now you're sincerely hurt and you can't do anything, and I'm trying to help you, and it's my turn to kind of give what you've you've been giving me all all this time. It was great. Um, I mean, I think my favorite part of this was where he he tried to be nice there for a second before Bruce got really super stubborn, and he was like, you know, hey. You know, there's been 312 TV shows in the three weeks that you've been in this coma. Why don't we be binge buddies? <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go over very well. But to, to your credit, Brad, you mentioned the beard. And I thought about it and I was like, dang, not only did he have all of this hair happen, but 312 TV series? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But Bruce, Bruce is super stubborn. I mean, it's it's kind of one of the qualities we see in him as Batman throughout the entirety. And he wants Gordon to come by. He wants to find out what's happening in Gotham. And so Gordon does stop in, and he has a list of things <laughs> that is just brilliant in his effort to win back the GCPD and to help retake Gotham. And Bruce Wayne is going to help him. Brad, what did you think of the list that, that he I, brought? I, I, I think my favorite is the cod piece that shoots a little missile that hasn't been invented <laughs> yet. <laughs> Kelly? <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, that that is, I don't think you can really top that one. That's just some engineering genius right there. 
Um, I, I love the list, and I love how Gordon, throughout this entire show, is always in crisis. There isn't a single moment where this man has been able to calm down and, like, enjoy his life. So... The fact that he has this ridiculous list and he's like, all right, Bruce Wayne, pay for it. Like, no, no big deal. It's, I mean, the, the balls that, like, <laughs> I just, I feel like if my, my billionaire friend was gone for a while and came back, I wouldn't show up like, all right, I need this military grade equipment and I need it now. That's, I mean, good for them. They must have a, a good friendship, I guess. <laughs> Either that or Bruce Wayne's really into Gotham. What do you think, Kendra? I loved it. I love that he was able to come in and be like, the world has gone to shit. And you're right. He is perpetually in crisis mode. I don't know how he has any hair left at this point. <laughs> because by this point, I mean, he's lost all of his officers to to the Bainton gang. I mean, it's just hit after hit after hit just keeps coming for the poor guy. And he, I mean, at least we can give him the full kudos of... You know, he knows where his priorities are. He wants Gotham back to what it was. He wants to be able to restore that. And that is his primary goal at this moment. So it's at least he has that to hold on to. Um, I mean, he, he tells Bruce because, you know, everything's gone, gone to hell in a handbasket. You know, Bruce is like, well, aren't there any heroes left? And he brings up the amateurs. And Gordon shows him video footage of not only, um, you know, this lovely wigged, macaroon macaroni <laughs> and we also get to see that batgirl is still doing not only live <laughs> live takedowns but we also get to see a little bit of, of how she's helping to show gotham not only is she showing them the takedowns and that there are people that are still out there but she starts to talk about how people can start helping themselves and by going to defense classes so what did you guys think of our amateur heroes? What do you think of, of their tactics and their ways of taking down the villains of Gotham? Brad? I, I, I would, you know, we're having all these like big anniversary issues with different little stories in them in, in, in the comics right now. And I would love one of these Batman uh, big issues to have a side story with the macaroni. I would totally, totally read that. Yes. Uh, I want him to be in, in the DC universe. <laughs> and you know, and I think I, I think the Batgirl is is in its own way kind of realistic because it's almost if a hero like Batgirl existed in the modern world, she probably would be posting it on Facebook or, you know, Instagram and, and YouTube and all that to kind of get the word out. So I, I kind of like that because I think that that, that was kind of reflective of the world today. Uh, Kelly. Yeah. I, I like that girl's enthusiasm. I get what she's doing in the sense that Gotham needs to know that there are still heroes out there. That, is really important. Although I feel like watching this, I almost went into parent mode because I was kind of like, you're just putting this on the internet. Anyone could see you. Anyone could, I like, I, I mean, this is Gotham. You're telling me no supervillain has some crazy face recognition technology that could like, you know, if, if it's on video that's out there forever, which is where I start sounding like a mom, <laughs> could possibly track her down. And that that makes me a little worried, but I also get why she's doing it, and it is really timely 
I just, I immediately was like, you're putting this on the internet. Anyone could find you. There could be a van here tomorrow. But <laughs> I, and the, I think the macaroni, absolutely, I would love to see him in the actual DC universe. And I do really want to know how he's keeping that wig on his head. <laughs> I, I mean, right? I, I don't know why I, I know that powdered wigs are really heavy at the top. Maybe it's just from watching cartoons or maybe I've worn one at some point and repressed the memory. But there's a lot going on in that wig. How is that attached to his head? Mm-hmm. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I it really it gets me every time because when when we all get together and we talk, I I recently got the opportunity to do a uh, an interview with Tony Tony Farina and it's the one that you guys have already done where you talk about your favorite books that are non big uh, Marvel and DC, and I brought mm-hmm. up because mine was Beasts of Burden through Dark Horse. And it made me giggle because I actually mentioned you, Kelly, because I was like, I'm going to have a Kelly Gaines moment. Why aren't any of these pet owners aware of where their dogs are? It is because you're always the one who brings up the most logical thing. Like, why isn't anybody paying attention to their kid? How are they able to do this? <laughs> and you don't really think about it until you're like, Damn, she's right. Robin in this universe is like 12. And Barbara Gordon, I mean, she's a college student, yes, but she's still she's still a baby baby. So it's like, damn, where are these where are the parents? And then you're like, oh yeah, Jim Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) But moving forward, we get to one of my favorite storylines. And it is the the Bane and Two-Face. And what they're talking about is they they do bring up Harley and they're like, you know, what do we do? She's taken out Penguin, Riddler, and now Mr. Freeze. And we're next on the list, so what are we going to do? And Two-Face is just an absolute, like, he doesn't even care to not show his his assholeism in this scene. Because Bane tries to sit at this huge table with him in this comfortable big chair. And he's like, no, yours is the folding chair. And Bane still listens to him and and buys his excuses. And when Bane offers to team up with him, he's like, no, we don't need to team up. We're fine. Brad, what did you take away from the scene? Oh, poor Bane. Bane, Bane, Bane. When are you going to get yours? Um... Yeah, that poor chair, Bane, Bane and his chairs. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see later in the episode how that all turns out. But um, yeah, you know, this this did make me feel sorry for the poor guy. Um, and I, I, I just want to see him come up on top. And, you know, like I said, later on in the episode, we'll see a little bit of that happen. But yeah, this really, really showed also just how much of... Uh, a manipulative dick that Two-Face is. Um, so, yeah, man. Damn Two-Face. Uh, Kelly? I Yeah, I was kind of stunned by this. Not stunned, but I was a little surprised by Two-Face in the sense that I'm like, all right, all of your fucking friends are dead. Everybody's dead. And you're still going to be an asshole to the one guy who's still alive? Really? Like... I, I think if if I was in any sort of a community and they were getting picked off one by one, I would start being a little bit nicer to the people I had left. But 
whatever, Two-Face. He can go be a dick somewhere else. Vane, it's funny because Vane is a character that, not that I didn't like, but he was never one of my favorite villains, especially in the Batman universe. Like, he just was never that interesting to me. Even, um, Even during the Dark Knight trilogy, like, he was really cool and his role was really important, but he just wasn't kind of the the main villain in my focus ever I guess and this show has totally changed the way I see Bane because now I root for him like even when he shows up in other shows I'm watching I'm still rooting for Bane because I mean this poor guy like give him a chair my god give the man a chair that's just that is rude and that is some office politics bullshit that I've totally seen happen in the real world where it's not they'll blatantly not give you a chair and say all these chairs are reserved in memoriam, but like where there's just, you know, happens to be a meeting where there's not enough room and it happens every time. Like I've seen shit like that happen. It's super weird. And please and, don't make him. So oh, sorry, Kelly. <laughs> I was no, say, no, please, no. Don't, please don't make him move his Volvo. Yeah. Right. Like that's, I mean, <laughs> you're going to make that man move his parking space. Never mind how Bane even fits in a Volvo. But yeah, <laughs> that, that I would like to see. <laughs> those those logistics I would like to check out. But <laughs> either way, I mean, just Bane, the poor guy, like, give him his chair. And it's crazy because after this, I, I root for him when he shows up later and he does have his big, like, roid rage moment. I'm rooting for him, and I never root for Bane, but the show has changed my my optics, I guess. This was good PR for Bane. What did you think, Kendra? <laughs> I agree. I mean, Bane, I was in, the, in kind of the same boat. I mean, Bane was never really one that was on my radar, and then the show happened, and it's like you you just get drawn in by his character, and you're just like, can you just not be so mean to him? Especially, like you pointed out, He's the last, like, member of the Injustice Legion, whatever that they've decided to call themselves. There's only the two, well, technically three. There's only the three of them left. And <laughs> it's just, it doesn't make any sense. I'm like, okay, so you'd rather do this by yourself. All right. But as it moves forward from, from the refusal of a team-up, we get to see Batman kind of stepping in for a moment and just kind of bringing, bringing to light you know, with Batgirl, hey, are you really sure this is what you want to do? You know, are you really ready for what everything is going to come at you really hard and really quick? And honestly, her fangirling was the absolute icing on the cake to this scene. But she goes live with with her, her social media and shows, you know, Gotham and whoever's watching, since there are millions of people watching, that, you know, Batman is bad. So what did you guys take away from the scene? What was your favorite part, Brad? Well, most of those followers were bots, right? Um, <laughs> um, I, uh, there's something so wholesome about this Batgirl. Um, and, and, and we watching uh, these episodes, I'm starting to really like that character more. It hit me more than it did. Um, you know, the first watch through, especially with this episode, I'm really, I'm really liking this Batgirl. So, uh, you know, I, I can't help but be taken, you know, taken in by her enthusiasm for getting out there and, and being a hero. Uh, Kelly? 
Yeah, I her fangirling was adorable, especially the fact that she said I'm such a big stan. And like <laughs> I I fuck up the beginning of words all the time and it's like an automatic reprogramming in my head where I'll correct myself immediately after. And I, I just I love that I can almost feel her her excitement or nervousness or whatever's pushing it. Cause I'm like, I would do the same thing. I'd walk in and be like, Batlan. It's great to see. like, I, I would, I would just be exactly that level. Um, and I mean, I guess to kind of be the mom again, I mean, I, I feel like as a superhero, you should consider that maybe the super secret superhero you're meeting for, you know, a, an off the books meeting doesn't want to be on your live stream. But in any case, I mean, she makes a decision and she goes with it and it does actually help Gotham. And I, I think part of my thought process was all, with all this, because Barbara Gordon still seems so Barbara Gordon and so Batgirl. Um, and I forget that Harley Quinn's a parody almost with her character, that there's still a little bit of ridiculousness that goes into it. And so with her, I think it's that like, extra jolt of live streaming clearly private conversations but it still feels like okay this is believable she's not like the uh you know the sort of exaggeration we'd see with king shark or bane where it's like oh you've totally said something new about the character that makes them adorable but it's just enough that she's still ridiculous and hilarious but very very relatable so i mean good for her she's she's making a difference and i i do really love that costume Kendra, what do you think? I love listening to you guys because it makes me think. And, I mean, <laughs> you guys both bring up really, really damn good points. I mean, looking at, at Barbara Gordon as her character, I mean, there's yes, they're all supposed to be parodies of each other. And some of them are very, very easy to spot where, where they're the parodies. But with Barbara, it's really not that easy. I mean, hers... I, I mean, her costume looks, and, and the social media, I mean, those both can be pulled from, from canon. I mean, those are both in the Batgirl comics with, uh, I believe, and I'm probably wrong, so Kelly is the Batgirl expert here. Wasn't that the Stephanie Brown run? Yeah, and they brought it back uh, after Batgirl Burnside. Right, so I mean, that's, like like you had brought up, I mean, it's she. it's really hard to see where her parody is, unless it's in a situation like with her father, where we're, we're seeing the interactions with them, which one of them is very memorable and comes at the end of this episode. Um, but moving forward, now that we know Batman's back, and, and all of Gotham who pays attention to Batgirl's stream knows that Batman's back, Two-Face is in the middle of trying to rob a bank, and he gets stopped by the people of Gotham who are like, we're done. We know that Batman's back, we're no longer afraid. And he kind of gets the memo. Because I, I guess his social media aspects just aren't up to date. And he finally finds out that Batman is back. Brad, what did you think about the, the bank and that whole scene where we finally get Tawny back and we get to watch as everything unfolds? Uh, yeah, I think, um, well, some of the more like up to the point where we do kind of get Batman back and everything starts to go crazy there is like i i just want to talk about that scene where he sneaks into the to alfred's bedroom to put the armor on and all that craziness that goes on and he and alfred does not wake up and i did enjoy the kind of 
take off on Iron Man with, you know, his view within that bad armor was uh, a fun little touch. And, you know, the the fight with Bane was also uh, fun because we get to see Bane kind of come into his own uh, at least a little bit. So overall, it was almost like the characters around Batman and the armor that kind of stole the show for all that for me. Uh, Kelly? Yeah, I... I mean, for one, I think my first thought watching at least the scene in the bank, I was like, all right, so the people of Gotham have, I I guess a lot of people in this episode have balls because, like, clearly you can stand up for yourself. Like, I, it just, there's a part of me that's like, how much better would the city have been if people kind of rallied this way, which I guess is the whole point of the symbol of Batman, that it's, you know, it gives people hope. It makes them think that there's something worth fighting for. But, like, shit, clearly you guys have it in you. I mean, to do some stuff, even if Batman's not there. Just, you know, maybe don't let supervillains take over your city. But whatever. I mean, I don't live in Gotham. I can't judge them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this the whole... It's just fun to see how, uh, I guess, almost infectious the idea that Batman's back is to everybody in Gotham because you have the supervillains scrambling, you have Two-Face getting made a laughing stock in the middle of a bank, you have a girl claiming that she's going to live forever and then getting hit by it. Was that a golf cart or a car? Either way. It just, and I really like that Tawny seems to, I guess that's part of being a, you know, an action news reporter, although she's a talk show host. So it's almost like having Ellen DeGeneres pop up at like big crime scenes that's that's the one thing like she's both a talk show host and like their action news reporter so she's everywhere and that woman has to have some kind of secret superpower because she goes to some places i would not go like if you said two face and his men are holding up a bank my last thought would be well let me get to that bank like thank you and you you would think that they would have taken her down like that would have been like right after Batman if she's got such a high profile in in the city, like so they wouldn't let her just run around and do her reporting. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe maybe they let her live because she gives coverage to the villains too. Like Harley's tried to get on Tawny before, and yeah. like so maybe it's just she gives like open coverage to whoever wants cover. Like, I don't see that would be a fun essay. Like the. <laughs> The news politics of Gotham. How does this work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I love this scene. And I, I feel like I'm going to watch Tawny more closely to see if there's, like, any hint for, like, is she unbiased? Is she playing for a side? I don't know. <laughs> Questions. Kendra? <laughs> oh, gosh, Tawny. I would love to see the expose done by Lois Lane, just throwing that out there. <laughs> oh. but as, after the bank scene and we get to see unfortunately I don't know if it was a golf cart or not it almost looked like a backhoe that you would see at a construction site I don't know what hit that girl <laughs> but Batman did not help her so moment of silence for that poor lady moment of silence done so Alfred is, Alfred is trying to talk Bruce out of basically fucking himself up further you know he's showing him that he can't even put on his own socks. So what right does he have to be out there trying to fight crime? 
And Bruce decides to have a little bit of a temper tantrum and, and calls Lucius Fox to be like, okay, well, if I can't do it myself, we'll find someone who can make me a suit. Um, which is kind of where you were, you were at Brad with the last one where we have the Iron Man suit and Ms. yeah, Martin. I realize I, I realize I jumped ahead a little bit, but, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but those, those scenes with the whole Batman coming back, that's just kind of what, what stood out to me so much in the episode. Right. Well, and, and because you have a very valid point that we will get to now with Batman calling Lucius Fox to make him his suit, it switches back over to where we get to see Two-Face, who is absolutely now aware that, you know, it's probably in his best interest to team up with Bane. Because now not only do they have to worry about Harley Quinn and the crew coming after them since they're basically the next on the hit list, but now Batman is back. So what did you guys think about his, 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 I have air quotes, apology? And letting Bane sit in the big boy chair while he tries to talk about being partners. Brad? The, the, uh, the whole two faces thing? Come on. And <laughs> once again, it just shows what a, what a dick two faces is. Uh, and I did like Bane's comment. Well, I wouldn't mind if it was like twins where my name was over you and your name was over my, you know, like the whole Danny DeVito, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> thing. That was pretty funny. But I kind of agree with like, Come on, Bane. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit too much of a thinker, uh, you know, but everybody has their breaking point. Kelly? Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, Two-Face, go fuck yourself. Really? Like, it, it's it's the most Check obvious... <laughs> right? Like, and I, I think I feel worse for Bane after this scene, and I, I will justify all of this later, but this is the scene that really got me for Bane, because he's being middle school Kelly to a T in this scene, where it's like, clearly you don't actually like me. Clearly you're only talking to me for, for your own thing here because yesterday you were a dick to me. But I want to believe that what you're saying is true. So I'm going to take my big boy chair and happily sit at the table and pretend that, that this poster in any way resembles any kind of representation of me and just accept it. I mean, like, that's worse than a, a thinker. That is, there is no Bane in that picture. And I love Bane's line that's like, I, I was born in the shadows, right. but it's not me. <laughs> like, it's like, you really want to tell this mammoth of a man that that shadow, clearly your shadow, is him. Really. I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is like adult Kelly standing up for little Kelly and some, if you want to get like Freudian about it way, but in any case, fuck you two face and Bane deserves better. <laughs> now I'm going to be wondering if there's a, uh, a Kelly museum with a random <laughs> married with children. <laughs> but no, I'm on the same page with you. Like they did a brilliant job of making you, like you should hate Two Face anyway because he's the villain, but I mean they do a great job of of making you just despise this man right now because he's oh those were just brotherly jibs really they felt personal I mean it it was a beautiful moment there's so many lines in this one that are quotable and 
I just wish that there's, I, I'm going to save my wish for the end because we're not to the part where it is, but Bane definitely deserves better. Definitely. Um, but now we get to the part where we get to see Monica, which is the new bat suit that Lucius has created for Bruce. And Alfred comes in and, <laughs> and Bruce is just trying to act like everything is normal and hides it under a sheet. And Alfred's like, this suit of lies. And there's this whole almost Tom and Jerry moment that happens where we, we basically just get to see Bruce act like a five-year-old toddler throwing a fit. Brad, what did you think of this part where you get to meet Monica? You know, you, you were talking about Alfred being mean, but man, Bruce was mean. Making him carry that whole thing uh, up the stairs. What did, he, what did he say? It was like the elevator's broken or something like that. So yeah, the elevator's poor, broken, the dolly's poor, broken. Poor, poor Alfred. While he's sipping his tea. Come on, Bruce. But in, in a way, this kind of goes back to the whole Batgirl thing and doing what Batgirl would do these days. I think that maybe a billionaire would sometimes act like a... Uh, a toddler as we can see by our president but um yeah i think maybe bruce would have some kind of toddler-like tendencies uh kelly yeah i i i mean i think the two things that really jumped out at me in this scene one that elevate like really you're gonna tell this poor old man that there's i mean sure he's a billionaire acting like a toddler but alfred's not a spring chicken I wouldn't make an elderly man carry a mecha suit up however many stairs it takes to get from Wayne Manor to the Batcave. That's just rude. But either way, that and how disinterested Lucius Fox seemed in this whole debacle. He was kind of like, I'm dropping off your suit. Here it is. Don't ask me. Like, he just leaves so casually. He's like, yeah, this is this is not my my field. I'm just I'm just here to deliver the suit. I also like that it's named Monica. Did they say why it's named Monica? Because that's a great name for a suit. It yeah, just, I was wondering I, that too. Right? Like it, it's it's a it's a good name. It's fitting. And poor Alfred. Like I get where he's coming from. Where it's like you're sick. Just sit down. Stop doing stuff. And you know, but. I I don't think I would have it in me to carry the suit all the way up the steps. I think if I really wanted to stop him from getting in the suit, I would just push it down the giant hole in the bat cave that Harley almost fell in however many episodes ago uh, when she she steals the button that she doesn't know what it does. Because I'm just not a stair lugger. It's not going to happen. Kendra? DC, if you're listening... We've already mentioned a lot of ones that we would like to see you do in flashback episodes, like the Dr. Psycho and King Shark, you know, having the blast out in Bainton. We also want to see what happened between the Batcave and getting that bat suit up to Alfred's room. <laughs> I want to see how that happened. <laughs> but, I mean, you guys bring up a really good point. Lucius, he almost acts like he's angry at Alfred when they're down there talking. Like, I, there's that moment where it's just very clipped and, and Alfred. It's just, woof. I don't know what's going on there, but he was ready to go. And I think almost <laughs> to answer Kelly's question, when it comes to Monica, it almost feels like it's just something that, that Lucius wanted to name her. Like, it was his, his project that he put passion into, and Monica was the name that he gave her. and Because he's like, you deserve better than this, Monica. <laughs> he's, he's <handed> <laughs> I was just like, okay. So we're not 
happy about our job in this universe. Okay, that story. Hang on a second. That's like that's the flashback I want to see. Lucius and Monica. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see the montage of Monica. But I mean, we get we get to move forward and see the the scene that Brad was talking about earlier, where we we see Bruce be like, "Okay, fine, you took my suit away, fine." and sneaks into Alfred's room to get the voice-activated Monica, which I even have here in my notes too, Brad. I saw it. It feels like a real hard rip-off of Iron Man. Hardcore with this suit. Bruce steals the bat suit and and goes out on the town to, to start taking care of Gotham. And one of my favorite things for right here, for this one, is this little boy <laughs> while Batman is taking on the goons. Who has the little Batman figure? Did you guys catch that, Brad? Yeah, yeah. And that's like a beautiful little detail that the show is does so well. With, Kelly, with, I heard your I heard your giggle. Kelly, you saw him. Oh yeah, I actually. It's funny. The first time I noticed it was taking notes for this episode. Like I I've watched the episode maybe four times and I did not pick up on that. And then I went, wait a oh, where did he get that machine gun? <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning, it, it, and that's that's one of the like, like I said, this is one of my favorite parts because it's it's literally them not leaving it on the floor anymore. Because when he's taking down the goons, the little boy's there watching his hero, and he's got his little Batman doll, and he's like, "Yay, Batman!" And then comes Bane. <laughs> Bane and Batman meet. While Batman is looking for Two-Face, who he has lovingly told Bane is the real head of operations and goes on to point out every reason why Two-Face is the one that he's after and not Bane, which sends Bane over the edge. What was your guys' reaction to seeing our bulked out, angry Bane? Brad? You know, I'm kind of a mixed feelings about this because on one hand, poor Bane, because he just gets manipulated left and right. Like Batman knew exactly what buttons to push to get him to go crazy. Uh, But on the other side of that, Bane pretty much fucked up that armor beyond recognition in a way. And and Batman's legs got all, as uh, Batgirl said, all messed up. Um, so yeah, Bane did kind of have a moment here where he kind of got a little bit of revenge. And like I said, man, everybody has their breaking point and that was kind of Bane reaching his. Kelly? Yeah, see, this, this is the scene where I found myself rooting for Bane and I knew I shouldn't be rooting for Bane, but this was everything else that happened in the episode culminated to this point for me too, where I was like, yeah, fuck him up, Bane, do it. Like... <laughs> I, which is crazy because I never root against Batman, but I was. And I mean, I guess this is his, this is the Harley Quinn parody version of Bane breaking the bat. But I mean, he goes pretty hard. And I like, I get it though. <laughs> After everything this poor man juice thing has been through, I, I, yeah, like this this poor guy just needs a win. And even Batman's like, look, I'm not concerned about you. Where's Two-Face? And I would be furious too. I also really want to see, because 
you know, we just talked about Lucius and his connection to Monica, and Monica doesn't make it through a single night. Like, I really want to see what that call was like on Lucius's end. Or did Bruce even bother to call him, or was he kind of just like a month later, like, oh, yeah, Monica's gone. <laughs> like, long gone. I don't know, but I feel Bane here. I get it. I, I don't want to say I support him, but I understand him. Kendra, what about you? It makes you wonder if the line where where he's where Lucius is saying you deserve better Monica is a foreshadowing that he knows what's about to happen to this poor bat suit. That's oh, his that's, way of saying goodbye. <laughs> 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 he knows. Like he's been with Bruce who knows how long in this canon, but long enough to realize that she's not gonna make it very long. Um, and she doesn't. Brad, you said it. I mean, Batman gets his ass kicked in so many different ways in this one. I mean, we've got wrestling moves with the, the Undertaker's move, the last ride. <laughs> we've we've got the cod missile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wait, right. <laughs> yeah. Little missile dick. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> There's another T-shirt for you. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I won't lie to you guys. I was a little... The only thing I was a little... Okay, but I had two big disappointments, but I can't say the other one yet. My one disappointment with this one is he gets the line, I will break the back. And he technically does with the legs, but I was so expecting a, a back break. I was expecting them to do that, that, you know, synonymous cover and see the bat break, but he didn't, and that's okay. But poor Batman, poor Bruce. I mean, he is completely and utterly bodily broken, devastated. I don't know how he's not screaming at this point, especially with the way we can see his legs. And Monica, she's so done, she shuts down. Like, he's he's trying to get help, and she shuts down, leaving Batman in the hands of Two-Face's goons. And this is where we see the, the follow-up to our little guy. And he now has, now has the Two-Face gun. So... What did you guys think about, you know, Batman's left out here all by himself. He has literally no way to call out. And the last thing he says is, why didn't you wake up, Alfred? Why didn't you stop me? Brad, start with you. This just shows that one of the things that makes Batman such a great character, if not the single greatest superhero, is his supporting cast. And it's the characters around him. And this just goes to show how important they are. There would not there would not be a Batman without an Alfred. Like he is incredibly, incredibly important. Uh, so I, I think that that scene did a did a nice job of emphasizing that. Kelly. Yeah, I I mean, that, that kid said it all, because if it wasn't for Batgirl and Alfred, I, I, Batman would be fried. He'd be done. And I really enjoy the fact that Alfred, like, we, we have a sort of a big reveal about Alfred. I won't, because that, that's a whole other thing to go into. But I like the fact that Bruce has clearly gotten himself into this this situation like he has commissioned a suit that he has put on stolen from alfred's bedroom and i mean god alfred's a heavy sleeper like that that is 
intense, but stolen from Alfred's bedroom, put on, gone out, fought, and lost in the exact way that Alfred said he would lose. But somehow it's still Alfred's fault for not waking up. I mean, I have to assume that man is... I mean, we know Catwoman takes Ambien from later in the show, so I, I have to assume that he's on Ambien, too, because that is a deep sleep. But, I mean... Yeah, it's it's just hilarious that Batman tries to blame it on Alfred, and it's like, all he's done is try to save you. And, um, God, I I mean, just that poor kid. I hope he's stuck around to see the end of the scene, because Batman is not screwed because he has this really good support system, like you were saying, Brad. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? I'm, I'm in the same boat with you guys. I really am. Like, this one, he's he's made his bed, and now it's time to sleep in it. I mean, he's he's seeing everything unfold as Alfred has been telling him this entire time. But Bruce is stubborn, and that's something that, you know, in some cases has been, you know, a good thing, and in others has been his downfall. And this one is definitely a downfall, um, definitely to his detriment. And, I mean, moving forward, we get to see, you know, not only is Batgirl using social media to her credit, but so are the villains, because the the gang of Two-Face are recording the fact that they've got Batman, you know, strung up. And again, no idea how Bruce is not screaming his lungs out unless his body has just gone numb to the pain at this point. But we see him getting saved by the macaroni who we find out the identity of. I'll let you guys take care of that one. Brad, what did you think of the macaroni reveal? Uh I, I, I wish I could say I was surprised, but I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I I still want a macaroni story in the comics with Alfred being macaroni. I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. Kelly? Yeah, I would love to see Alfred. Um, I would love to see that, not even just that origin story, but the process of him being like, all right, I have this. This cool bat cave, I have all this equipment, I'm going to be a superhero. What will I make my theme? And that's what he came up with. I love it. It's very Revolutionary War. I mean, good for him. What did you think, Kendra? I think that I would love, I, I'm, in this, I, I'm with you guys, I would love to see a comic, because you can almost see it playing out as Alfred just... Something's happened to Bruce in the comment or in the comics, and he has to step up, and he does it so genteely. You know what I mean? He'll he there's this this solemn, maybe no words are needed, and we just see him get ready in his costume and go out and, and protect the city that means so much to who has become his son. So I I would love to see that. I think that it could be done brilliantly. I hope that we do get to see that in the future because I think that it would be an amazing way to tell a story with Alfred in the center that isn't about him dying. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say that. Oh, I'm sorry, Kendra. Go ahead, bro. But I want to hear. Go. I, I was just going to say that I'm surprised 80 years of Batman stories, there's got to be somewhere, somewhere in some comic book somewhere where Alfred has to do that whether it's take up the cowl or whatever that's got to be there somewhere steve where but, are you when we need you yeah right <laughs> um but yeah man i i want i want my a macaroni story right and i mean that's that's i'm right there with you because i really would love to see that i think that that would be a really cool way to fully make the harley quinn animated series 
canon to bring it out into the actual comics and say, okay, well, you guys got a taste of it there. Even if they were to do it under their Black Label series and, and have it be just as beautiful as it is in the animated verse, I think it would be amazing. I know I would buy it. But Alfred is... Panics that wig. Like, yes. how is that staying up? <laughs> the comic has to answer that question. We need to see the wig glue. Or, or the tax, or whatever it is that he uses to make that stay. Especially when things are popping out of it like we're watching a Who Framed Roger Rabbit still. Right? <laughs> so cartoony. <laughs> but, I mean, we get we get to see Batman realizing who Macaroni is, and not only that, but Alfred is like, you know, not only is it is it below us to say I told you so, but we also need to know when to ask for help. And that's when we get to see that he has brought along Batgirl for the help. And we get that beautiful line that you brought up earlier, Brad. Your legs are hella jacked up. That's what she says. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we, what do you guys think? I mean, do we finally get to see a little bit of humble pie for Batman, Brad? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd say we do. I, I, I don't see how you could not with with what had just transpired and like i said before this just goes to show how important the whole bat family is and the supporting cast is to to batman he couldn't get by without them and just the whole voice acting delivery of the whole year legs are so hella jacked up that whole that that was just that was just great voice acting. That's that little sentence he says. I just, I, something about it just grabbed me. I, I, I really made me chuckle. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like you, Batman can't do it alone. No, no man's an island, as they say, and and Batman's no different. Kelly. Yeah, I, I mean, that is really fantastic voice acting because it's. Again, it just puts you so much in the headspace of like, all right, if I was standing here as a an average person and I just helped Batman and I'm riding on the high of that success and I look at him and his legs are like that, I'd be like, ah, oh, you're not looking great. <laughs> like you're you're hella jacked up, exactly as she said. But yeah, God, I mean this this is just such a perfect way to like you were saying, Brad, just insists, like, the, the Bat family is important, and not just important, but they keep him alive, because Batman likes to do his whole, you know, when things get too dangerous, it's like, oh, get away from me, I, I, I can figure this out on my own, this is a, a private Batman thing, but I clearly, not everything can be a private Batman thing, I mean, he is jacked up, like, those legs are pointing in directions that legs even if you're a, a, a rag doll, should not point. I mean, uh, damn. Like, Bane did fuck him up. And, I, I mean, yeah, I guess I did expect there to be some kind of a back break. Although I guess that either means that we're going to see another Bane freak out in the future. Or that, well, I mean, but Bane, Bane ends up in his happy place, so we'll see. But... <laughs> I, or that, you know, this is just sort of the parody version of like, well, you know, he doesn't break his back because he was already kind of messed up, but his legs are in all kinds of funny directions. And if you picture what that would look like on a, a live action person, it's gross. 
So maybe I don't know. Maybe that's enough. But Kendra, what do you think? I mean, I'm I, I I'm in the same boat. I mean, I keep saying that, but it's it's really. I mean, I agree with you guys. I I love where your logic goes. I mean, Batman is wholly centered by by the people that are around him, and they help enhance and make the story better. And Bane, oh, poor Bane. Bane confronts Two Face, and you know we get this lovely line of "Tranquilo, babe, I can't talk to you when you're you're like this." And for some reason, that's all it takes is is for Two-Face to tell him to calm down and he, he cuts the juice and sits down to have a conversation with him and talk about how they should be actual partners, you know, something like Bane of your existence. And I just, this is where my second disappointment comes in because I would have much rather enjoyed seeing Bane take his aggression off where it needed to be with Two-Face rather than seeing it with Batman, but that wasn't to be. What did you guys think about the confrontation with Two-Face, Brad? Uh, damn it, Bane. You let yourself be manipulated again because uh, obviously Two-Face knew that he had to get him to turn off the juice if he had any chance of getting out of there because Bane could easily overpower him. So, you know, he had to manipulate him to turn the juice off to at least give him a fighting chance if Bane did go, did go rogue. And I just I wanted Bane to finally stick up for himself, and we just didn't quite get that. So that was kind of disappointing. Kelly? Yeah, I, I'm disappointed in Bane, but if anything, this just – this shows what a – I guess a good guy Bane is deep down because he's like, yeah, okay, I'm being crazy. Like, let's talk about this like people. How often do you see that in a supervillain? Where he's actually, like, I, I really did expect him to just mess up Two-Face. And the fact that all Two-Face has to say is, like, Tranquilo, like, calm down, we're cool, it's fine, like, talk to me, What what's going on? And he's like, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> that, that's almost a more superhero action than a supervillain action. Because it takes, I, I mean, it's probably a, a harder to talk. Well, we, we've actually seen that it's harder to talk Batman out of a rage than it is to talk Bane out of a rage, which is kind of crazy. But, yeah, I mean, I really wanted him to kick Two-Face's ass. And I, I think there is a little bit of me that's disappointed that Two-Face is the big remaining villain, because I kind of would have preferred... Well, I mean, Mr. Freeze was a good guy, you know. he He had... He was the most woke villain in Gotham, so... Rest in peace to him, but I, I don't know. I mean, Two-Face for me is, like, I get why he's important. I get why he's the remaining villain, in a sense, because he has so many fun goons, but I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of like, eh, Bane could have killed him, but whatever. Fine. What do you think, Kendra? It makes me wonder where and what happened for Bane to have this kind of level of respect for this guy. Because that's really the only thing I can I can logically conclude is that the only reason he's able to get him to calm down so quickly and so easily without Bane fighting it is because there's some kind of level of respect there. And I don't know what it was that happened to let that be there. So hopefully that's something that they show us because I would really like to know why. Because it should have happened. We should have seen Bane going off on the person who has just been super manipulative this entire time and has consistently put him down and almost kind of tried to put him in his place. 
And with this one, I mean, Two-Face almost, I, I guess it could be seen as something nice. When I when we first watched this one, I don't remember seeing it as nice until we actually found out what it was. But there's a moment here where Two-Face takes advantage almost of Bane's trying to be better than himself, Marie Kondo theory of sparking his joy, going to his happy place. And he gives him this massive hole in the ground that, small spoiler alert, we later learn is going to be the pit. So what did you guys think of, of his present to Bane and his way to actually plot out and plan being partners? Brad? Uh, I, get, I mean, it seems like a hollow gesture, I guess. He should have been better from the beginning. Um, but, I mean, what? I guess whatever helps, you know. Um, I almost see Bane as kind of like the kid who just really wants to be in the popular gang, so he'll let them like cheat on his test. He just wants to be accepted. Uh, and it's just a kind of a bummer that he gets these kind of hollow rewards. Uh, Kelly. Yeah. I, the first couple times I saw this episode, I thought, okay, that was, this is two face genuinely trying to make up for it. But the last time I watched it, I got more of a sinister vibe from the, because it's almost like he's, he's like, okay, so Bane's, Bane's become a problem at this point because he went on a rage. He could have clearly could have killed Two-Face. So I almost feel like it's like, all right, I'm just going to make him go back into a pit. How do I make him go back into a pit? I give him a pit. <laughs> like, I almost feel like he's playing to a, a weakness he knows that Bane has. And he just, he's basically just like, all right, get out of my hair. Like, go manage your pit. Get back in the shadows, in the darkness. Literally a hollow gesture. Get back in the hole. Because um, clearly Bane just takes this pit and, you know, he runs with it. And I, I will get to that in a later episode. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it, this was kind of Two-Face's way of getting rid of Bane without getting rid of Bane. How about you, Kendra? I agree. I mean, I, I fully see this as a hollow gesture on, on Two-Face's part, at least in the beginning. Now, what Bane does with with this gesture and and with what he's given as as a gift, I guess there are definitely air quotes around gift. But what he does with it is pretty pretty fabulous, and we'll see that in in coming episodes. So, I mean, I guess on one hand, I can see it as a backhanded backhanded gift just to kind of placate Bane. But on the other hand, what Bane does with it is is masterful. So, moving forward, we get to the end of almost the end of the episode we get back to Batman um, Bruce sitting there using the bat signal to call Gordon in and they have this whole lovely back and forth about sometimes I sit you don't know everything that I do and he's alerting him Gordon to the issues of of what's going on with Batman and why he can't fight so he's finally listening to what Alfred was trying to tell him to do in the first place and by doing so, he introduces Gordon to his new partner. Um, what did you guys think, Brad? Uh, if only he knew <laughs> who he was really talking to. 
when he was kind of putting down Batgirl. So that's quite a uh, would be quite the revelation if Jim Gordon ever really found out. Uh, Kelly, I almost expected him to throw another thick plastic bottle at her, <laughs> like when, when Robin shows up, because he just this man is obsessed with Batman and will not accept any substitutions. Like he needs a bat, and he says he needs a bat, but he specifically wants a certain bat. And yeah, he just completely writes off that girl and is like, this, this, this girl can't do anything. What it like? Why even bother? And the optics on if he knew who she was and he could change it would be completely, completely different. Like if if he was to actually put together this was his daughter. I I mean, not only that. There's I mean, how do you not know that's your daughter? Because I'm trying to think if I was to walk up to my parents. Wearing a Batgirl costume, they'd be like, "Oh, hey Kelly!" Like they, they would understand that it's me. But he, I mean, I guess he's an alcoholic, so maybe you know his brain's <laughs> a little fuzzy. Because once once he, uh, you know, once he sobers up, I'm sure he'll be sharper. We'll get to that. But yeah, I mean, he just he really undercuts the whole thing. Although I like the fact that Batman has so much faith in Batgirl at this point. He's like, okay. You can do it. You and Gordon go out and start fixing the city. And at some point, he very clearly doesn't give an answer to when he'll be okay. But in either case, I mean, he he has faith in her. And I like that. Kendra? I want to know how. Even, even drunk. Even alcoholic. When you have someone standing next to you who's being introduced to you and who says, A real honor to meet you, daddy commissioner how do you not know like she literally slips up and is like daddy <laughs> this jim gordon is not the brightest bulb <laughs> we love him like, but... it's just it's killer it's one of those where i guess you just have to he has to have it in his face i guess not just standing next to him saying hey dad he has to have it in his face that it's it's barbara but, I mean, then we, after after this whole thing where we get to see Batman, you know, finally relinquishing the cape for a little bit and saying, you know, here's your new partner, Batgirl, it, the episode itself for the, the Harley ends and we go back to the toxic fans who literally can find nothing wrong with the episode except for the fact that the distribution model is ridiculous. <laughs> so... For the closer, for that little itty bitty part, what did you guys think? Do you do you think that that's really all it takes is for someone to actually watch Harley Quinn and that would be enough to win over a toxic fandom, Brad? I I, th- I think that that's giving toxic fandom uh, too much credit. Um, even if they did watch it, I think they would find something wrong with it, and I don't even think they would ever watch it that's the to me that's kind of their whole point is that they don't they'll comment on something without experiencing it for themselves and the thought of those guys watching hentai porn is just skeeves me (laughs) out (laughs) that's all i gotta say about that kelly i yeah that i mean 
I don't want to ask this question because it invites a lot of terrible answers. But and this is a hypothetical question, but who in the world watches porn with their friends just for fun? I know that must happen because I've heard enough jokes about it that it has to. But to that, I, whatever, like if you're deciding what TV show to watch, I feel like the last the the last, you know, kind of item in my repertoire would be porn as in after I've thought of everything else like after I've been like let's literally read the bible cover to cover like that would be <laughs> higher up on my list but I mean as far as these guys like it, go figure they like they are proved wrong about everything else that they said so now the new thing is but the distribution model which fine the distribution model is really confusing I'll give you that but <laughs> in any case it's like well but at least admit that you were wrong about stuff. Because I will completely think, I, I'll form opinions about books or shows that I haven't seen yet. And then I'll watch it before I get all vocal about it. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I was wrong. I was totally wrong. And sometimes I'll watch or read something and then hear a different perspective. And I listen to it again or watch it again or read it again. And I'm like, huh, OK, I see what they're saying. Like, what, what is the big deal about being like, OK, so Harley Quinn wasn't shit. I don't like the way DC Universe is you know, dealing with who gets their shows and whatnot. But, I mean, nobody does at this point. So, you know, what a, it's, it's a fun look at that side of thinking, I guess, as far as comic fandom goes, that there is a portion of fans that just, this is the way they are. And it's, I, that's life. That, that is, unfortunately, the world we live in. <laughs> Kendra, what do you think? I think people need to watch more Harley Quinn. I mean, there's already been a call out for people to, to help get it renewed. And I, this is me bringing that up. Watch Harley Quinn. But, I mean, you guys are right. I mean, it doesn't really matter which way the, the world turns. There's always going to be someone who doesn't like something that's on TV or in movies or in books. And sometimes I, I fully agree that it goes a little bit too far, as we've seen with, with several cases of actors and their social media accounts just shutting themselves down because they there's just so much toxicity coming at them. So for me, I'm I'm glad that this this episode does address that. Maybe not in whole, but in enough that it touches on it so that that way it's relevant and it's basically this beautiful fuck you for those types of fans, especially when it pertains to Harley. Um, so I mean, I guess that that's really the end of the episode. Um, end of the review. What are your guys' final thoughts on Batman's Batman? Uh, and I can't even say that without having a funny voice on man. So, Brad, what about you? <laughs> final thoughts? I, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, for the kind of quotes that could come from it alone, it's it's worth watching. And that epic takedown of toxic fandom was so perfect and irreverent. And it's it's what the world needs right now. And it's just another example that we talk about all the time, that this show is something that people need to be watching. And if more people would, it would be a huge hit. So, you know, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're interested in the show. But please spread the word. We got to get this show renewed. Uh, Kelly? Oh, the show has to be renewed. And. I, I mean, for this episode, Brad, like you were saying, there are a lot of good quotes, but I think my favorite takeaway is 
the little exchange between Alfred and Batman where Alfred's like, you are weak and you will fail. And Batman's like, I am strong and will succeed. And I kind of want that on my wall. I, I, I want that right above my desk. Just, you know, so when I'm having those hard days, I can be like, I'm strong and will succeed. Even if it's a lie, I will believe it. But God, I mean, this episode is just fantastic. And it does show us a little bit closer of an image of uh, Alfred and Batman and that whole side of Gotham, because we don't see them a, a ton in this show. And I mean, it's just perfectly done. It adds another layer to the entire series, which better come back for season three. Oh, my God. Kendra, what about you? I get I get asked about this show a lot. And I know you guys do, too. And I mean, it's it's definitely something that, that gets recommended. And there are, are thousands upon thousands of reasons why. And this episode proves a lot of those. Um, I mean, it definitely has the humor. It has us seeing our heroes and our villains, for that matter, in different lights. And they do it in a way that is showcasing all of the talent, from the voice actors to the writing staff to the animation. And, I mean, it, it's definitely a work of love. And you get to see that with every episode. So absolutely recommend it to your friends. Absolutely, you know, watch it and, and rewatch it. Show them that they they should be renewing the show, and if they're if they don't, then there's literally no reason not to. Um, but that that's where we'll probably end. Actually, it's not even a probably. That's where we'll end uh, this episode uh, for Harley Quinn season two, episode five, Batman Batman. So I've been joined by the insanely smart cast. Um, I have Mr. Brad Brad Billicky. Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews, DC Comics News. Uh, you can find me on the regular DC Comics News podcast. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at FlickyB1. Uh, Kelly? You can find me doing opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News and also on the main DC Comics News podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at KelGainsWrite. Kendra? Uh, right, I've, I've been your host, uh, Kendra Hale, and you can find me on Twitter at DevourAllWords. I do news and opinion pieces for Dark Knight News, as well as Fantastic Universes. I get to join these guys and our other colleagues, Seth Singleton and Steve J. Ray, on here for the Mad Love Harley Quinn cast, as well as sometimes getting to appear on the DCN News podcast. And speaking of our podcasts, you can find those on Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we are there. And when it comes to Dark Knight News and DC Comics News, um, you can find those on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, all of our social medias. So that being said, we'll end out like we normally do with... Read more comics. Thank you guys and have a great night. Three, two, one.